Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Our website is filled with more encouraging interviews, all accessible at MyFaithRadio.com. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, the other Dr. Mintel, my husband, Norm. That's me. That's you. And every weekend, we are here doing life together, and we're so glad that you've joined us. We are. Happy weekend. Once again, it seems like the five days in between are the fastest days of the week. (laughs) It does. It does. But we get a weekend kind of off. Kind of. Kind of. Kind (laughs) of. A little bit. We're so glad everyone's joining us by radio or by podcast, however you're listening to us. Well, today's show is a little bit serious. It's about codependency. We're going to talk about what that is, how it develops, signs to look for, and then, most importantly, what to do about it. You probably know someone who's in a codependent relationship, and if you do, you might want to subtly suggest they listen to the podcast. (laughs) This show can really help. You know, codependency is not the basis of a healthy relationship. I mean, that's just kind of the bottom line why we're talking about it. But it's also not a mental disorder. So I, I want people to understand that. It's highly dysfunctional. But it's not like you've got a mental health disorder if you are codependent. Right. So we've all heard that phrase. They're codependent. You're Mm -hmm. codependent. We hear it on TV. We hear it in news stories. But most often, I've heard it used with drug abuse and people Mm -hmm. tied into families with drug abuse or something. Is it more than that or can it develop in any kind of a relationship? It, it actually can. A codependent relationship is one in which the person puts the needs of another person constantly before their own. Mm. And that's because they've built their whole identity upon this negative cycle that we're going to talk about that develops in the relationship. So typically, Norm, one person is sort of a fixer person, and then the other person is needy, and they're they're codependent because they depend on each other. The one needs to fix and the one mm. needs to be needy. Okay. But either way, they're not really talking about their personal needs. And healthy relationships are built on something we would call interdependency, so a mutual responsibility to each other. And to build that interdependency in a relationship, you must have a sense of your self-worth. And we know that our worth is derived from embracing the truth that we are a child of God and that we are made in His image. It's not dependent on the other person or other people or their opinion of us. I got it. So codependency involves being needy, depending, dependent on another person, and we have this cycle of enabling their needs and then putting out their needs and fixing their needs, and it's not a healthy cycle. Well, I can hear people all over our audience going, but wait a minute, isn't helping other people a very important Christian principle to put others before yourself? It it is, but let's make it clear, not in a codependent way. (laughs) So Christians do want to consider others and their needs, right? We're all about that. But it's not a biblical idea to get your worth from other people or needing others in order to function. So in a codependent relationship, rather than serving each other, which is truly a Christian idea and is truly Christian love, 
those involved use one another to meet their own emotional needs. They need to be needed. They have a poor sense of self not understanding their worth in Christ. Okay, so you said something that made sense to me. It's kind of like a mutual use of mm-hmm. the other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be, okay. Yeah. All right, so here's the question. Two people rely on each other for support and love, both find value in that relationship. Is that normal or codependent? That would be normal okay. and actually healthy. Now, if a person feels worthless unless they are needed by that person or makes some type of drastic sacrifice constantly, not just once in a while, because we do sacrifice things when we're in a relationship with other people. But it's all about this needy cycle that the two get locked into. In other words, the codependent person is only happy when they're functioning on these extremes. Mm, You know, they feel they must be needed by the other person to have any type of purpose. Okay, give us some examples of codependency. What does that look like? Okay, so for example, a parent who allows a child to skip a soccer game because she just doesn't feel like going. So she's the parent's actually enabling a pretty irresponsible behavior there. Or a spouse who makes excuses for a partner's rude behavior. So again, the partner's kind of acting out and the other spouse is making is a, excuses. Yeah, and enabling like, oh, it. Right. Enabling right. it. Allowing yeah. it to continue. Yes. Okay. Or a friend who offers an alcoholic a drink. Whoa, that sounds worse than enabling. Well, it, it <laughs> well, it is enabling because it's like, you know, and this is one of the problems with with substance use is that when you're with somebody and they're drinking and you're trying to stay sober and they offer it to you, they really aren't helping you. That right. isn't really a good behavior. Yeah, okay. yeah. So is there a simple definition that I can wrap my brain around? <laughs> yeah, I think when you when your self-worth is not dependent on God, but on something external to you and it's dysfunctional. But you stay trapped in that dependency because you don't think you're worthy of a better situation. Mm. And then the pattern becomes this vicious cycle. It's when a person is needy or dependent upon another person. Okay. So it's just, it's more than just being clingy. Yeah. A person that is codependent will plan their entire life around pleasing other people or that enabling process that we just talked about. And people who habitually do this, we would consider that to be someone codependent. Okay. Okay. So this concept of enabling is still kind of murky for me. Could you help me out? I'm trying to think of an easier way to say this. It's kind of a response to something someone does. A person who relies upon a codependent relationship does not learn how to have an equal two-sided relationship. So the enabling comes when you're you're helping the person do something that isn't isn't great or is irresponsible or you're making excuses for them and you're just not both saying, hey, this bothers me and I need to clean that up. You think you're helping, but it's not helpful. Right, right. So like letting a teenager ignore chores while they're trying to study, for example, for finals might be helpful for a moment, right? Mm -hmm. But if you did that all the time, you would be enabling that person not then, to have study good health. And then that person depends on you to do that. Yeah. And, oh, okay. and they know they can be irresponsible. Right. Right. Or dismissing that teenager's drug use or drinking or bullying or defiance or any of those things, if you say, oh, it's just part of being that age, that's not really helpful because it's, it's a problem. Okay, starting to make sense. I think you have a list of questions here that we should ask ourselves and our listeners to see if you know someone who fits into this enabling category. Okay, so yeah, let's go through some questions here. So do you often ignore unacceptable behavior? I mean, that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Do you excuse and enable others so that they're continuing to do those 
unacceptable behaviors. So the more you enable it, the more they're going to keep doing it, and it gets worse and worse. Right, because they know they can, right? Do you find yourself resenting the responsibilities you take on? So they're being irresponsible, and you're having to do more. Do you constantly put your own needs and desires aside in order to help someone else? Now, notice I said constantly, Mm -hmm, not mm -hmm, once in a while, or not because you're serving somebody, but because you're so worried about that other person. It's become a pattern, and that's just how you do it. And do you have trouble expressing your own emotions? Hmm. Do you ever feel fearful that not doing something will cause a blow-up, make the person leave you, or even result in violence? Wow. Uh, Do you ever lie to cover up for someone else's mistakes? That's, you, that sounds like enabling to the max. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to lie about it. You know, I think of I think of these – do you ever see these news interviews where there's like a, a serial killer and the mother is saying he's a good boy? Yeah. That, he, not I, my son. He could yeah, have never Yeah, I mean, that's, that just comes to mind when I think about that. Um, do you continue to offer help when, when it's never appreciated or acknowledged? Are you in a relationship marked by addiction or abuse? Do you seek love and worth through helping – but live in the fear of abandonment. Okay, wait a minute. You need to unpack that one. I'm I'm living in fear that you're going to leave me if I don't enable you? Is yes, that, okay. yes. So that okay. if I actually address the issues and I address the problems. Then I'm afraid you might. You might just take off. I got it. Right. Do you seek love and worth through helping others all the time? I mean, mm. is that how you get your sense of self? Oh. And you endure mistreatment, and you live in a survival mode. That's really key for people who come into therapy. They're just surviving. They're not really getting anything out of this relationship, but they're they're feeling like, you know, I just, this is the best I can do. So I bet those people have no personal boundaries. Right, right. And then they become emotionally dependent on fixing or rescuing or controlling other people. Mm. And so uh, all of this, do you experience hurt, fear, guilt? Loneliness, shame, all those things come along with this. And you just we're, are willing to stay in a very unhealthy situation no matter what. So think of it like this. A codependent relationship is one partner needing the other partner who in turn needs to be needed. <laughs> I and get it. That's so this clean. Circular, That's yeah. This circular relationship is the cycle of codependency. Thus, you have the codependent and the enabler in a very unhealthy relationship. So how does this kind of unhealthiness start? Where does it come from? Well, there's a lot of ways it can it can develop. It can be a learned behavior that you you learn from your family growing up. Mm. You watch the parent models and you see this. You can have a lot of attachment problems with a parent when you're growing up where you just don't make a good relationship with them and it's highly dysfunctional and then you sort of take that into your adult relationships. Does an attachment thing mean I'm not connected to my parent? Or you're connected in a very insecure way or a dismissive way or an unsafe way. So there's a lot of ways that that can happen. What about when the parent who is needy like someone struggling with addiction or a parent who has their own emotional issues and is quite self-focused. Is that the same? Well, that can develop that type of codependent relationship because if you grow up with an unreliable or an emotionally unavailable parent, a lot of times what happens is you take on the role of caretaking and becoming the enabler to that parent. A child in this situation, Norm, puts the parent's needs first and doesn't grow in healthy ways because they're always focusing on the caretaker's need or even sometimes their abuse, trying to avoid it. Well, we're going to take a quick break. This is such an important topic. 
When we come back, we're going to learn more about abuse and more signs of codependency, but best of all, how can we break free from this negative cycle? More on the Dr. Linda Mental Show right after this. Stay with us. Did you know you have a conflict style? Everybody does. Are you a conflict avoider? Maybe you don't avoid, but instead react intensely. Or perhaps you are a great negotiator. Dr. Linda Mental offers a free conflict quiz when you visit her website, www.drlindahelps.com. Click on the picture of her latest book, We Need to Talk. Then have a friend or your partner take the quiz too and see if you can navigate conflict successfully. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Today's topic is break the cycle of codependency. And we have so much more to talk about. But before we do, I want to remind you that you can check out Dr. Linda's website, drlindamental.com. There you're going to find her blogs, her books, and you can connect with her on her other social media. And remember, a very easy way to know what she's writing about every day is to follow her on Twitter and Facebook at... Dr. Linda Mental. And of course, please listen to our podcast on iTunes and other platforms. Linda, before the break, you mentioned being emotionally abused as a child, how this can lead to becoming codependent. I'm thinking how abused children have to constantly try not to upset a parent and then in the process be tuned into those parents' needs rather than their own. Is that what we're yeah, saying? Yeah, you, you really, that's a good way to summarize it. So when that happens, Norm, the child just doesn't learn to express their own emotions, nor do they develop healthy boundaries because their boundaries have been violated. They're taking care. They're acting as the parent in that case. And their survival is really all about trying to avoid upsetting that parent or, or they're going to be abused. Mm. So that's a really good way to summarize that. Okay. What other signs should we look for to decide if we know someone or perhaps we are in this type of relationship? One of the big signs I, I see in, in people when they come to therapy for this is the only time they feel worthy is when they're meeting someone else's need. Oh, Proverbs 29 speaks to that. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Yeah, so that fear that we talked about, yeah. that fear, maybe a fear of abandonment some with some people that if they actually don't do what that other person wants, that somehow they'll get they'll be abandoned. It's right there in the scripture, not to fear man, uh, fear God in a in a positive way. That's a positive fear of God, mm -hmm, that he is mm -hmm. he's definitely in control and sure. he's definitely someone we need to, you know, listen to. But you know, here's another sign. You need other people to like you to feel good about yourself. Well, here's good news from St. Paul in Ephesians. He writes, for we are God's masterpiece, masterpiece. God just didn't throw us together. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he's planned for us a long time ago. And there's nothing in that scripture that says, and make sure other people tell you, you feel you're good. No. And that you're okay. No, no. <laughs> yeah. So if you're changing yourself, or you're compromising your values to get other people to like you, you've turned pursuing the approval of man really into an idol, if mm. you think about it. Mm -hmm. And as Scripture warns, you cannot pursue pleasing man and also serve Christ. So that's in Galatians. Galatians is such a great book to oh, read. My goodness. If you read that first chapter, it's right there. And then going back to that, fearing abandonment and thinking you can't live without a person— there's so much in Scripture that talks to that as well. Well, and Paul, again, in 1 Corinthians says, Yet we know bad company corrupts good character. 
He doesn't say the other way around. He doesn't say good character fixes bad company. He says the bad stuff usually corrupts the good. Yeah, so if you're not committed into a relationship and you find yourself in this type of relationship, you really need to think about, is this person good for me? Are they healthy for me? Mm -hmm. And again, not in a way to elevate yourself above somebody else, but to really look at the dynamics between two people and is it a good fit in those dynamics. So if you spend enough time with someone, you know just how to pull, they know just how to pull the strings <laughs> on your sense of who mm-hmm, you are and your mm-hmm. security, right? In other words, they can manipulate you. Right. So you'll find yourself when you're in this codependency being mistrustful and needy and much to the satisfaction of the person pulling the strings. Wow. Because they, then they have control over you. Instead, what we're going to tell you to do is trust God when he cautions that bad company that, Norm, you talked about, Mm -hmm. will erode your good character over time. So instead of wasting time with someone who would so casually steal your peace, just stand firm on the promises of God. And remember the very important scripture, I love it, we all know it, in 2 Timothy 1.7, that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and self-control. Right. I love that. Here's another sign. It's called being a fixer. And I'm thinking that's what codependency is all about, right? Right. Because it's really when you want to help a friend or a loved one, that's not a bad thing. We're not saying that at all. In fact, Christians should want to help people. But excessively needing to fix people is a different story. So jumping in all the time and giving solutions, even when you're not asked, or you believe it's your duty to clean up someone else's mess. For example, you cover up for that person's shortcomings Maybe you pay their loans, make excuses to their boss, something that is is really not allowing them, again, to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. And that sounds to me like another sign, a lack of boundaries. You mentioned that earlier, but could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, boundaries serve as the healthy but assertive no in your life mm-hmm. when you need to be mm-hmm. able to say no. But when you're codependent and someone tramples on your boundaries, instead of saying no, you just make excuses. Sometimes you make excuses to yourself. And then you also make excuse to that other person. And we see this in cycles of abuse where the person being abused will say, well, I might have made him upset or he was in a bad mood and excuse this behavior. And they allow that boundary violation. And that's not good. You don't want to give people a free pass when they're systematically hurting you. Right. Okay, here's the good news of the show. We've been waiting the whole time for this. How do we break out of codependency? Let's get there. So first thing, you're you're not going to be surprised by this one. Stop covering up the fact that your loved one has problems. Hmm. You need to make sure that your loved one sees the consequences of their problematic behavior. This is the only way they're going to see that change really needs to happen. But that's impossible. I mean, that's so hard to confront somebody, isn't it? Well, it's interesting. I was on a a, a different uh, national talk radio show uh, this morning, and um, one of the call-ins was uh, somebody asking, but what about parents with children? I mean, do we do we enable them because we don't call them into accountability? Are we operating out of our own fear and not letting them experience problems? The and yeah, the, uh, and the, the things that are going on. Sure. And that was a really good example of how you can be codependent. All right, another one, Norm. Stop giving your loved one money, clothing, gift cards, and other gifts if they have an addiction. Right. Yeah, this is the hardest one because uh, someone who's in the middle of an addiction, the addiction is a chronic brain disease. It changes your mind. It rewires your mind, actually. And your your brain is drug-seeking at all costs. 
and it it sort of bypasses the part of your brain that it has to do with judgment and and calm, you know, waiting and thinking through things. And so a lot of times this manipulation will come and they'll take advantage of people in the family mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who want to help them. But you have to have clear boundaries of what that help is going to look like. So you might say, I'll be glad to pay for a program. Or how about if you go to, if I go to Al-Anon or a group or you go to AA and I'll go with you, something that is very specific so that that kind of manipulation can't happen. We know someone who misunderstood and admitted it later in life. He who does not help his family is worse than a pagan. And he misunderstood that thinking he had to give money and enabled an -hmm. addictive child for years and years and years. And there were no boundaries, and there was, and it was total manipulation. Yeah, and there, it was an enabling role, and it's hard. It's that tough love where you have to, you know, look at what's happening with the brain, and right. it's not the way that that person should function when they're not on that substance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a good example of that. So it goes right to what you're saying. The next, the next thing to do is hold your loved one accountable. Stop making excuses for why they act the way they do. Don't, you know, if they blow off important dates or meetings or they, they're constantly chronically late, don't, don't just let them off the hook. Hold them responsible for their obligations so they can, you know, go out into society and be a contributing member. And as difficult as it may be, sometimes a hands-off approach can be beneficial as that you're no longer serving as their crutch. Mm-hmm. And I would guess you have to stop worrying about their reactions when they don't like that you're not doing what they want. Yeah, because they're going to get angry with you and they're sure. going to get upset. Once they, Especially once they notice that, wait a minute, they're trying to change the step in this dance that we're doing together and they're doing it differently. So it might be painful, but that's what you have to do. Okay, so you said earlier to the show that codependency is not a mental health disorder. It's dysfunctional, and you can get treatment for these patterns of behavior. Tell us a little bit about how we do that. Yeah, treatment involves understanding how maybe early childhood issues have a have created a current dysfunctional behavior in your life. And not that we're looking backward on that, trying to blame people, but just what have we learned? And if we've learned something, how can we unlearn it? Well, we right. definitely can unlearn it. So you want to take small steps towards some type of boundary in that relationship, maybe take some time for yourself, try to develop a hobby or something that you can enjoy outside of that relationship. So you step away from the relationship. A little bit, just a little bit to develop a sense of yourself okay. is what we're talking about. Okay. And that means that maybe you should spend some time with a, a different type of friend or just maybe do something with the church group or something that would not be all dependent on that one person. And then the enabler person has to decide that they're not helping and that's what that person you were talking about came to later in life and thought, well, I didn't really help, did no, I? No. By giving this person all this stuff that they want, I was making all these extreme sacrifices, but it wasn't really helping that person. And then you really have to say no when there's abusive behavior involved. And so awareness of that, change of that, growth, so that you don't engage in these really destructive behavior patterns and then this is a key one, to just respond rather than react to the person and to other people. How does that work? Well, when you set clear, firm boundaries, 
you don't always re, you know, you don't always have to automatically react to everyone's thoughts and feelings. Mm. So when you're setting a boundary, it's not like I, you have to say, but, but, but I just meant, but I just, just let them feel mm. and let them react for a little bit of time and think more and adopt a little bit of a healthy skepticism towards what other people are saying. Mm-hmm. Don't give so mm-hmm. much credit to other people. Find your esteem with God. Wow, I like that. Okay, we're almost out of time. Some final thoughts on codependency to help us? So both parties in a codependent relationship really have to learn to acknowledge these specific patterns of behavior, such as needing to be needed and expecting the other person to center their life around them. So our goal is always to develop an interdependency with other people. We are to mutually be responsible to others use our unique gifts in healthy relationship ways. And this may be the most important advice we give today. Being codependent is putting God second because you rely on someone else to meet your emotional needs rather than taking care of them yourself and trusting God. Oh, that's good. So change isn't easy. If you need help ending the codependency cycle, see a Christian therapist who can walk you through the process. Well, that's all the time we have today. Many thanks to my co-host, Normental, who makes this show a conversation, and to our technical producer, Katie Sims. From all of us here at Faith Radio, hey, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.